celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month in the month of May. So Dr. Janae Taylor, she was a guest on the Mindful podcast a few episodes ago. She has created Mind of My Black Business, amazing podcast, and amazing platform. Um, but also, she's uh, co-coordinating this process to highlight uh, podcasts that talk about or um, highlight mental health awareness. The cool thing is the Mind for Rebel podcast is going to be a part of that um, and, and is going to be highlighted as well. So how can you get in on this? Um, every Monday, uh, check out two hashtags, right? Uh, search these hashtags and support the podcasts that are a part of this movement. The hashtags are hashtag BlackMH and also hashtag MHMonday. So by checking out these podcasts, you'll get a chance to see uh, a group of individuals that are working to signal boost and amplify the discussion around mental health awareness. Trust me, it's important. It's important for us. It's important for our community. And it's important to support our own. Um, And this is an amazing group of uh, podcasts hosted by people of color um, that are, you know, engaging in a really important dialogue. So check us out, support Mental Health Awareness Month for the month of May, and every Monday, check out those hashtags. And that's BlackMH and also hashtag MHMonday. Welcome to the Mind Forever Podcast, the podcast about leadership for the culture. In this episode, we'll talk to Johnny Ray Cornegate III. Johnny is a storyteller, consultant, and coach. He is a network and mobilization director for the Counter Narrative Project, a nonprofit organization advocating around issues impacting black gay men. He is also the founder and artistic director of Static Art and Life LLC, a arts company with the mission of delivering beauty to the world. In addition to his work in the arts and nonprofit world, Johnny spent 15 years working in major corporations, including Independence Blue Cross, Borders Group Inc., and the Home Depot in various functional and management roles. He is a subject matter expert in recruiting, call center operations, and professional networking. He earned a bachelor's degree of business administration from Temple University in Philadelphia. He blogs at Static, The Counter Narrative, Huffington Post, and Medium, and he hosts his own art and life podcast, Seeing Sounds. He is a member of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, and he currently operates out of Atlanta, Georgia. So welcome to the Mind for Rebel podcast. I have the pleasure uh, tonight to be talking to Johnny Ray Cornegay III, um, amazing photographer. I had an opportunity to meet and actually be a part of one of his upcoming projects that we'll talk about. Um, But Johnny, thank you for uh, taking the time out to be a part of the podcast this evening. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really, really looking forward to this and excited. Yeah. So the best place to start, I say this every podcast, is the for my listeners to get a, a good understanding of what it is that you do. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how you got started with um, Static Art and Life and then, you know, kind of provide context to who you are um, as a creative entrepreneur and, you know, a leader as well. Absolutely. Um, so my background is, is actually quite unique. Um, so I am going to do the super quick version of how <laughs> I got to Static Art and Life. So, um, of course, I, I, you know, I grew up in um, a small town in Pennsylvania called Chester and um, really was inspired and raised by my mom and dad um, to uh, treat all folks with respect. And um, as a result of that, over the, I've gotten a chance to live my dream three times in my life already. So um, I, the first time I got a chance to do that, I, um, while I was in college, decided to knock on the door of a recording studio 
because I was fascinated with music my entire life and knocked on the door and asked for a tour. They reluctantly agreed to give me a tour. <laughs> and within six months, I was working in a recording studio as a recording technician, um, recording albums uh, while I was in college. Wow. Um, and it was something that I had always dreamed of doing. And I got the opportunity to do it um, just by uh, showing interest and, and learning on the job. Um, after the music business got completely crazy, I <laughs> decided that um, I was going to focus on what I was studying in college, which was um, human resources and risk management, um, and was fortunate to um, land an internship with a uh, Philadelphia corporation, and that internship eventually became my first corporate job. Um, and my first corporate job I spent, um, well, actually my entire corporate career um, was in human resources. And I uh, did everything from um, recruiting to um, HR generalist work. And, and I did a lot of project management um, mm. work um, from a human resources perspective in my career. And, you know, one of the most beautiful things about the work that I did um, in corporate was one, um, I worked for folks that really nurtured me and um, really gave me the opportunity to kind of carve out my own path in a, in a really unique way. Um, I always tell folks I had multiple opportunities where positions were just kind of made up for me to mm. do, you know, and that is fantastic. You know what I'm saying? So I've gotten a chance to do that several times over in my, my corporate career. Um, but, <laughs> um, there was a point, uh, so I picked up my camera in 2013. I was actually encouraged to buy a camera, uh, by an ex of mine. And I picked up a camera in 2013 and, um, began to take, uh, I was taking videos of people. I wanted to interview folks because I, Obviously, as a recruiter, um, I just have always been fascinated by people. And so I wanted to interview like DJs. That was like my big thing, artists and DJs. Well, in between those interviews, I would take pictures. And over time, actually a very short period of time, um, I moved really quickly. Those pictures started to get really good. And mm -hmm. um, I recognized that um, I loved the idea of telling stories through photographs and in 2015 um, decided to um, full-time pursue a couple of things. So, um, you know, pursue my artistic dream as a photographer and storyteller full-time um, as well as as a nonprofit leader. So one of the things I have the uh, blessing to do as well. Um, artist, uh, not, you know, in addition to my artistic work is um, I'm the network and mobilization director for an organization called the Counter Narrative Project, which brings all of my art and all of my corporate work into um, the nonprofit world. So, um, you know, I got to this point simply by, um, you know, asking a lot of questions and trying to learn as much as I can from folks. And um, I'm grateful that you know, people have given me the opportunity to do that over the years. Wow. So yeah, you've, uh, <laughs> so normally, and I figured this was going to happen because of, in reading your bio and just even chatting with you um, around the project, um, 
I really I figured you're gonna have a lot to talk about because your background is <laughs> so like I'm sitting here and you know I normally have my questions but I'm sitting here writing new questions I'm like oh we got to tap into that and we got to talk about that so one of the things I want to talk about um, that you mention is that you've been able to live your your dream like several times over right whether it's been through music mm -hmm. whether it's been through your um, human resources and corporate background um, you know now in the artistic space and nonprofit space how did you realize that you were stepping into a space um, of passion for what it is that you do wow um each time i think it's divine each time so mm. I'm going to be really honest. So me, <laughs> this is funny. So um, like I said, so I talked about the studio and me knocking on that door, you know, and having the gumption that day to knock on the door and ask Scott, um, could I take a tour of this, this, this mystery building that didn't have a name out front, right? So um, just that fact. So that was, that was divine. Um, me getting that internship um, that I mentioned, my first internship after I decided to, you know, leave the studio that led me into my corporate career. You want to talk about bombing an interview? <laughs> I, everything that could have gone wrong <laughs> at this interview did. My hem fell out of my pants. I spilled coffee on myself. I don't, I, I couldn't remember if I answered the questions or not, but the person who interviewed me saw something. Um, mm. so once again, it's, it's divine. Um, me, uh, deciding to, um, leave my corporate career when I did and pursue the arts. Now, that was a very difficult transition. I do not recommend anyone do it the way that I did it because it was really, it was really challenging. And, um, I definitely experienced a lot of hardship that I hadn't experienced previously. Um, but doing that actually led me to my nonprofit work. And once again, that meeting was divine. I ended up going to an event um, that someone suggested that I go to six months prior. And that relationship and, um, got me to on the path to my nonprofit work. So each time it has been, um, these have been guided decisions, but not necessarily guided by me. I just had to recognize that the opportunities were there. Hmm. That's big, recognizing opportunities. Mm -hmm. And sorry, I'm I'm I'm, I'm writing because you got me. You got no, me thinking. you're fine. <laughs> you so one fine. of one of the questions I want to ask um, you in terms of you know your work as an artist um, and as a photographer, um, you mentioned that you like you are a storyteller in the work that you do. Um, why is it important? to be in a space where stories or narratives are being talked about, um, maybe in the manner in which you do it, or why is it important to bring up or talk about the stories that you do um, highlight? So um, as a black gay man who does black um, gay and queer work, um, oftentimes um, I find myself wanting to tell the stories that I didn't necessarily see. Mm. Um, it is, so the, uh, there's, a, there's a story. There's a story that kind of led me to storyteller because I, I didn't always embrace that, that title or I didn't use it as a title. I would just say, Johnny's a photographer. 
Um, there, I had an experience um, in 2014 where I was at a cafe and took a photo of someone. A year and a half later, I was looking at Facebook and saw these uh, rest in peace photos um, for this person. And I was like, that person's really familiar. Why is that person familiar? Well, I was able to recall exactly why that face was familiar and find in my archives a picture that I had taken of this individual that I actually asked them if I could take it. Wow. And it, it, it clicked for me that there is a lot of power that um, photographers have in preserving um, in preserving uh, the legacies of people. And I began to embrace that storyteller um, moniker because it's important um, for me to um, honor people and their stories and their impacts on the world. Um, there are so many folks, uh, in particular when we talk, when I think of you know, Black gay folks um, who have um, transitioned and we will never know um, the greatness that they that they that they may have given to the world, right? Because um, for whatever reason, um, their story wasn't one that was preserved, or um, they didn't trust anyone to you know tell that story too. Mm. So for me, with every time I pick up the camera and someone sits on the other side of it, I am very very conscious of the fact that. I am preserving a piece of their legacy every time I snap um, a picture of them. Wow. And I think that kind of goes into my next question is that, you know, in, in you know, talking more to you and, and being able to look into your background a little bit more, I see advocacy is a big part of your background and who you are. Um, how did you get into advocacy work and why is that something that's important um, to who you are as, why is it important to you and how you navigate, you know, in the world? Um, I think it goes back to, um, it's so interesting. So that, that part definitely goes back to my mom and dad, but there's a specific story. Mm -hmm. um, in 1985, and I only remember this because I was in third grade, so it's a story <laughs> I, I tell pretty frequently. But in 1985, um, I, I, we were learning how to read the newspaper. This was like a, a class assignment of, of some kind. And so we would we had we had to get the local paper and then we would pick a story and then we would have to report on the story to the class. Well, the story that I selected was about um, the HIV epidemic of that time. So this is the HIV epidemic in 1985, which at that point was such a it was it was there was so much there was a lot of death there was a lot of sadness and there was a lot of confusion about what was happening, right? So I vividly remember picking that story, reading that story, but also questioning why folks had to die. And that directly, um, so that led me to um, continue to pursue work as an advocate for folks uh, living with HIV. So while I was in the studio in college doing recording records, I would actually leave the studio for a period of time and volunteer at my local AIDS organization. And I would hand out condoms in my little hometown. 
Mm. Um, so we would drive around and we would hand out condoms and we would give out this information. Um, so, and that leads me directly into the work that I do now, of course, advocate, um, you know, through the counter narrative project, our mission is to, um, advocate around issues, um, impacting black gay men and work in solidarity with other movements for racial and social justice. So I get a chance to do this now, you know, every day as part of, as part of my work, but I would say that it started with my mom and dad kind of instilling that, that, um, that importance of treating everyone with respect and um, also recognizing when I was eight years old that there were, um, there were uh, uh, inequalities um, in our uh, medical system, um, in the criminal justice system that were really impacting folks' lives. And so that's what led me down that path to advocacy and that's why advocacy is important to me. Mm. So with that, you know, I, and your background again like you said it's, and i see it it's very unique um and so with the, your your wide range of experiences how do you define leadership wow that's a um that's a really good question um so i define leadership as um being able to um see the greatness before you and be able to nurture and and um nurture it um, so that it reaches its full potential. Um, mm, yeah. Because for, for me, I, um, ever since I was young, um, I was put into leadership positions. Oh, and so it's so interesting how I, I view this now. Because when you're young and you're put into leadership positions, you're kind of excited because um, you feel like, oh my God, I'm in a position of authority and that's a good thing. Um, now that I'm older and I have been a leader um, in a variety of situations, including corporate America as well as in nonprofit work, um, I see my role and kind of the way I operate as leading by example. Mm. Um, I have these crazy stories that I won't tell now, but <laughs> of times when I've had to make sure that uh, people that were looking to me as a leader understood that I wasn't going to ask them to do something that I wouldn't do myself. And I also have experiences where I needed people that were looking to me as leaders, um, that they also understood that, guess what? There are things that they know that I could never know. And I would, I would ask for their assistance to help me. Mm. And um, so, yes, that's what leadership is, is to me. It's really that, that, that um, you know, being able to amplify, being able to make sure that we nurture it to its full potential. So with that, what does, um, you know, across the work that you do, um, what does success look like for you? Oof. And this is the section where people say there's some heavy hitters, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so here's what's funny. <laughs> um, what does success uh, look like for me? I wish I could say I was one of those people that have these, I have lists, but they're not necessarily, um, I have goals that I have written down. Mm -hmm. um, and I have lists uh, of, of, ta of tactics that will lead me to those goals, right? But 
those aren't always the things that mean success for me. <laughs> so success for me is knowing that I made an impact um, on a situation or on someone through the work that I do. Mm. Um, so that if I can see that there's an impact to what I've done, then that means I was successful at that thing. And, and I'm also really clear that success is not finite. Like success is a, a success is, is, is moving as quickly as, as we are moving. And I might be a success at something today and I'm just going to pick a new thing, you know, to try. And so it never stops. Hmm. That's yeah, that's I'm, I'm sitting here shaking my head. Cause I'm like, that's a, that's a great way to look at it that because it's such a moving target that, that there's some continual growth and continual, um, kind of goal setting with that yeah. to kind of keep that level of success moving, keep right. it going, keep it growing. Right. And, and recognizing that even within, within that, that I'm also comfortable. If one, if one thing transitioning out of corporate America taught me um, is that it's okay to change. Uh, it's okay to change my mind. It's okay to, uh, change the course or get off at an exit um, to use kind of a, a driving reference. <laughs> and that's all right um, because we are human and things change. So um, I've had to learn and be okay with that myself that, you know, I may think something is great today um, and then wake up and learn something new tomorrow and be okay with changing course. Hmm. So with that, what, you know, in terms of, you know, as we talked about your, your definition of leadership and what success looks like to you, um, what's a characteristic that you believe is really important that for a leader to possess, to be um, successful or um, impactful in what they do? Curiosity. Hmm. Um, I learned this. There was a, um, I've always been in 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 intensely curious. That's how I've landed up, landed in the positions <laughs> that I've landed in, right? Like I've always been one of those individuals that's been curious and um, an executive that I reported to um, many years, uh, many years ago said to me, one of the things that made him really good at what he did is he was just honestly always really curious about folks and what made them tick. So it wasn't like a situation where um, he was trying to psychoanalyze them. He was just like, no, everybody has something to offer. And I'm always curious about what that thing is. So um, I think a, something that's really helped me over the years has been just being curious and being willing to try things. Mm. Um, that has been, and, and so that curiosity has led me to just trying stuff. When I picked up a camera, I had never picked up a camera in that way before, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I was curious as to what I could do. And now I'm still curious about what I can do. Hmm. 
And is that curiosity what drives you to continually, you know, create new projects to create or push your, your craft as a photographer and artist? The, um, no, I think the curiosity gives me the, um, kind of the interest in trying new things. What pushes me to continue creating is that, um, realization that I have a particular, I have a unique, um, way of being able to amplify folks' voices mm -hmm. and, that is, has been bestowed upon me from a force greater than I. And that's why I create. So I create because um, that's what I do. <laughs> do. <laughs> so on the flip side of that question, and we, you know, we talked about a characteristic that you believe would make a leader successful. In your experience, what do you believe is like a behavior, characteristic, or trait that um, that you may have seen or noticed or can speak to that may derail leaders from their, their path or their journey? Mm. Um, I uh, have seen um, people be derailed by kind of the know-it-all syndrome mm. where um, folks, and this has happened at multiple levels. Some people bottom, some people bottom out, you know, really early. Some people, um, you know, can, I'm not even going to do the reference I was going to do. Some people can go really far <laughs> <laughs> by um, still employing it. But I have definitely seen that, that know-it-all um, syndrome derail folks because um, part of being a leader is meaning that people want to follow you. There's a whole lot of people who are really loud and claim that they are the end-all, be-all, but there's not necessarily, and there may be some, but there's not always, like, folks that want to follow that person. Um, so it's the, the know-it-all um, syndrome um, that sometimes comes up really makes it difficult for folks to want to follow that person because uh, the reality is we all have something to offer and we, and none of us know it all. Um, so I think that uh, would be my biggest derailer, derailer that I've seen um, be an issue the most. Is there a person that's had like tremendous impact on your growth and development and, you know, maybe how they impacted you and in, in, in getting you to, you know, where you are now or today? Oh, there's so many of them. Um, Speak to them. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to talk about a, a, a few folks. I'm going to make this quick um, because they, but they all have something. So I've talked about my mom and dad um, as, as important. Um, and I will absolutely say that those two individuals providing the foundation that I walk on, um, in particular being from where I'm from, from, being from where I'm from, Chester is not, um, Chester isn't, um, it's definitely not, uh, Beverly Hills. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah. And yeah. so they, even in that environment, um, were able to provide a grounding, um, for me that could allow me to see that I could be more and do more, even though the stuff around me probably told me I could. Oh. So they had a thing and, and I don't even know if it was conscious for them, but they definitely provided it. So one them. Um, 
uh, and it, shout out to my entire family, right? My, my uncles and my aunts and my grandparents, like some of my biggest fans and I adore them and they adore me back. And just growing up with like a black family that was like, uh-uh, do that. We don't understand what that is, but do it anyway. <laughs> that was very them. <laughs> um, so them. Um, two, there um, is a woman. So the woman who hired me uh, for that job right after I left the studio, her name is Peggy Shane. Her name is Peggy Shane. And um, Peggy saw that, saw something. You know, she saw, um, she saw it and nurtured it and helped me and helped me to learn um, a very conservative corporate environment um, and gave me a lot of room to do what I wanted to do and mess things up, but then call me back in to make sure that I was good and then help me to get to the next level. Um, so her, and then um, currently, um, so the Counter Narrative Project Executive Director, Charles Stevens, um, I can't say enough about how much I have learned in my two and a half-ish years working with him. He is one of the most conscientious, um, driven, um, intelligent Black men I have ever met, and he is also Black and gay. And he has definitely taught me what it takes to do public service. Mm. Um, and uh, he has also taught me what having um, a black gay man in your corner can do not just for your career, but can also do for kind of your personal growth and development. Mm. And you got a lot of good people in your, in your corner. Yeah, oh my <laughs> I have been, bro, I have been blessed with just, and it's it's over time. I I, I definitely um this is where I'm gonna I'm gonna go into my grandfather's uh, uh Baptist bag for <laughs> a minute, um, but you know definitely I have been um blessed and have been guided divinely by these amazing people over the years. Um, and I, I can't say enough. I can't say enough. And mm. I thank all of them. Like I just highlighted those folks, but there I could literally go down the list. I remember every boss I've ever had. I've been working since I've been 15. So that means over 25 years, I remember every boss I've ever had. And I remember what that person was like. Mm. So with that, like, as we continue, because, you know, outside of having, you know, great people in your corner, you know, we always look towards different resources that are helpful um, in our own growth and development. So are there any, like, books, movies, um, songs, artists, anything or something that's been of um, influence to your own personal growth and development or any things that you turn to um, when you're trying to, you know, pour back into yourself in terms of your creative flow? Absolutely. Um... Uh, so my favorite things um, that I kind of turn to, so in terms of books that have inspired me, so the autobiography of Malcolm X has been one of the kind of most consistent inspirations hmm. um, in my life. Um, 
uh, In the Life, a Black Gay Anthology, which was edited by Joseph Thiem, um, has been in incredibly important to me, as well as the poetry of Essex Hemphill. Um, it was through the poetry of Essex Hemphill that I actually came out um, in, you know, over the course of 1997. Um, so it was through Essex's words that I was able to do that. So Ceremonies by Essex, um, In the Life, um, The Autobiography of Malcolm X. And interestingly enough, if you note that none of these are like, um, you know, specific leadership books. I mean, I've read those, but I would say my approach to leadership has really been about people and I couldn't, and, and while the leadership books may give me um, some information and some tools, um, it's really just dealing with people that have really, I think, guided me as a leader. Mm. Um, so I would say those three books. Um, Film-wise, um, uh, Chef is my new favorite inspirational film. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't. I haven't. It's so good. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here jotting down notes, and I'm like, oh. yeah. <laughs> so um, Chef has been um, a film that has, uh, most recently, I would say over the last three years or so, um, really provided me with a lot of oomph. Um, because the movie, when you see the movie, you'll, you'll, you'll see it. But it is, um, you know, it deals with, you know, the challenges of trying to break out of a rut that you've been in. And then the, the downside of, um, you know, I, it's not working, it's not working. And then finally, divinely figuring out like, oh, it's this, who knew? Um, so I just love that film. Uh, for that reason. Um, is it somewhere? Is, that, is it on Netflix or Hulu? Yeah, or? it's definitely on Netflix. You okay. Netflix it. Right. Um, everybody who's listening, um, it is, like I said, it's one of my favorite inspirational films. Um, it's funny. It's loving. It's great. So uh, those are the, the things that I think um, impact me the most. And, and also I look at a, a lot of photography and stuff like that. So um uh, Carrie Mae Weems, I'm always like looking at her work. She's just such an amazing um, storyteller. I love revisiting um, the diversity of work of Gordon Parks. Mm. Um, you know, Gordon was able to do, I mean, you can photograph, you know, uh, Black men in the Delta and you can also photograph Marilyn Monroe. Like being able to have that diversity of work is what I, I, I aspire to. Um, so uh, those are things that inspire me and fill me back up. So, so now you have a new project coming up called Naked. Um, can you talk a little bit about that project and maybe the process that's gone into um, bringing this to life? Absolutely. Um, Naked is um, one of the scariest things I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm so excited about it. Um, it, it gets to debut um, soon and I'm, I'm so excited about that here in Atlanta. And, uh, but, okay, so Naked was actually um, birthed um, the night of the transition of a friend of mine. So an amazing artist, um, HIV activist, uh, black gay man, phenom, um, Antron Rashad Olukayode transitioned on November 12th. And, um, when I learned of that transition, I came into my studio turned on my lights, took off all of my clothes, and took one photo. Just one. And I looked at the photo, 
because um, it was a self-portrait, and um, and I said, oh, <laughs> um, that's interesting. Um, and I had to confront my my own personal issues with body image, like in that moment, right? Mm. So I said, I think this photo is really beautiful. I need to not be afraid of this. I also want to talk to other black, gay, bisexual, and queer men about their experiences with body issues and fo- or, or body image, not issues, just body image. I want to strike issues from it because it's really not about that. It's just about how we see ourselves. So our image, our, our, you know, so ch- talk about body um, image with us. And so I um, photographed 25 other men <laughs> as part of this project and um, had sit down conversations with, um, with these brothers about um, about their bodies, about um, loving themselves, and also advice that they would give to um, younger folks. So this project is um, really one that is uh, about growth and acceptance and loving each other um, in all of the ways that we show up. And I use um, our nudity as a way to um, ground us. In in your navigation through this new project, um, and in your interaction with um, the gentleman that you had the opportunity to photograph, um, did anything new come up for you in that discussion, or anything? Was there any light bulbs going off around? Um, around the project or your perception or your initial reasons for starting it? Did anything come, come out of these discussions for you? Um, every time, yes. Mm. So every time I sat down with someone, it's amazing um, because um, I realized in the process of going through this particular project that um, there were things, uh, painful um, painful things that I had suppressed that came up um, in the course of hearing someone else's story Hmm. um, that I literally just kind of put in that part of the brain that we put things that we don't want to remember. And I was confronted with those things through this project. And what was so um, breathtaking and healing about that experience was um, recognizing that I made it through that at that time. And that thing that happened at that time brought me to this point. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, I just, in, in, in talking to you around the project, it, it made me, um, it made me process some things. You know, um, the conversation after the shoot, it, it really made me process. Like the entire drive home, I was, and even, a few days afterwards, I was I was really in thought around you know my ideas and thoughts around you know nudity around uh, pers- my own personal body image um, and things that I didn't realize actually got to me um, around it. And even thinking about you know the anxiety up to the photo shoot, mm-hmm. yeah. it made me I, I processed all, it. It was a lot, and I was like, why am I so nervous about this? And I was like, it it yeah it. it <laughs> Just trust me. I was I was in a, in 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 deep thought around 
um, what this project meant. And so I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you were able to, to create um, an avenue to, to further this discussion around this topic. Yeah, you know, I have to, so, okay, full disclosure, I'm just being real vulnerable because that's what I do. Um, <laughs> so, like I said, this is, this, 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 uh, uh, this exhibit is about to, or a portion of it, right? So some of these photos are about to debut. The image of me is the image that was always supposed to be the image that talked about it. Baby, why am I so nervous to really amplify it like I'm dealing with that like right now wow like um so I put it on IG because I'm like it's an IG story it'll go away in 24 hours so it doesn't matter right <laughs> <laughs> but it hasn't it made it to my Facebook page this morning but Facebook is doing a Facebook thing and so I deleted it and was like I'm gonna put it back again it's not back yet and I know it's not back yet because I'm still working through what needs putting it there. See, my, my dad doesn't use Instagram. My aunts and uncles don't use Instagram, right? So the moment it hits Facebook, though, they're going to see. Um, so I'm still processing that right now. Now, I know I'm going to do it, um, but that process of um, self-acceptance and kind of pushing through fear, like I'm still doing that as we speak. Mm. Mm. Well, I know this is going to be great. I'm excited to, to see this debut. Um, and I think this, this, our discussion around your new product, I think this really leads to, um, which is kind of our final question for the interview. Um, at the end, and I always ask my, this kind of caps out the interview, um, each one of my um, podcast interviews, um, is at the end of the day, what do you want to be known for? Ooh, uh... I want to be known for, um, I want to be known for how I made people feel. Hmm. Um, and because I want to be known for how I made people feel, I'm always striving to make people feel um, warm. I don't want to say good. I don't want to say, you know, I want people to feel happy. That None of those things might happen, right? But I always want people to feel warm and know that, you know, I was coming from a, a, a place of love um, in any thing they've seen or any interaction they've had. Um, so yes, it is, I want people, when I, when I leave this place, um, I want people to um, say that I made them feel something, um, something more. Hmm. Well, listen, Johnny, this has been uh, a great conversation. Um, I knew it was going to be great, <laughs> but <laughs> yes, this was really great. Um, thank you again. I know, I know your schedule is busy and I know you got a lot of amazing things going on. Thank you for um, taking the time to share um, a lot of your journey uh, with us, um, with myself and with my listeners on the podcast. So yeah, it was great. No, thank you so much. This was great. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here and um, many more exciting things to come. Thank you so much. Of course. Well, um, before we go though, um, what for my listeners that are interested in following you or just staying yes. in touch or getting in contact with you around the work that you do, what is the best way for them to get in contact with you? 
Yes. Um, so um, folks can follow me anywhere at um, J Ray is the name. So that's J A Y R A Y I S T H E N A M E. So J Ray is the name. Literally, if you Google that, all <laughs> things me will pop up. Um, including my website, um, all of my social media, everything. So the easiest way to keep up with me is follow J Ray is the name. Um, anywhere where you get your social media, except for on Snapchat. I'm on Snapchat, but I don't like use it. So <laughs> just don't do Snapchat. Don't but do Snapchat. Anywhere else, yes. <laughs> okay, great. And all the information will be posted along with the podcast in the description. So if you click down, you can look and you'll be able to um, contact Johnny in all of those cool ways. So listen, um, thank you again. Uh, this wraps up another great episode of the Mind for Rebel podcast. Thank you. This episode of the Mind for Rebel podcast is sponsored by Gamefly. Gamefly is the number one video game rental service. We've all purchased the game that just sucked, right? And you feel like you wasted your money. And then if you go try to sell the game back to you know who, you're only gonna get about five or $6 on a game that you paid 70 to $80 for. Why not alleviate all that and rent the game first? This is what Gamefly gives you the opportunity to do. Rent and buy games for your PS4, your Nintendo Switch, your Xbox One, or whatever system you have, rent it before you purchase it. So for my podcast listeners, I have an exclusive offer on my website. Sign up for Gamefly and get a free 30-day trial when you go to seanjmore.com slash podsponsors. That's seanjmore.com slash podsponsors for an opportunity to sign up for a free 30-day trial. While you're on that page, check out the other podcast sponsors, which include Grammarly, Loot Crate, and BarkBox. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Mind for Rebel podcast. Take some time to subscribe to the Mind for Rebel podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Anchor FM. To catch up on past episodes, go to seanjmore.com. That is seanjmore.com. And click on the podcast tab. Your feedback is important, so please comment your thoughts, suggestions, and views on any of the platforms, including my social media pages, including Instagram and Twitter at J underscore more. Thank you again for your continued support as we continue to dialogue about leadership for the culture.